Today's episode of Hogan John's is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen at gotomeeting.com slash tips. That's gotomeeting.com slash tips. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. In the 30s, early 30s, there are three teams that dominated the league. New York Giants, Green Bay Packers, and the Bears. Hang on to your hat to fasten your seatbelt because from here on out, this one is liable to be something. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Hogue. The Bears have the ball first and ten to go in their own 35-yard line. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. And the handoff to Gale Sayers. Picks his way. Finds a little hole. Here they are. Barstow will hold. The Adams. The play down. The kick is in the air. Wait a minute. Hogan Johns. Hogan We've increased competition at a critical position. And the way we view this is it's an open competition. Let's get this thing going. What's up? Welcome in. Hogan Johns here with you getting back in our groove on the podcast. What's up, Johnsy? What's going on, Adam? You enjoying this nice weather in Chicagoland? Yeah, no place I'd rather be than back inside my office. Talking to you over the computer. That's right. Hope our listeners are happy. They could take us for us. a walk. They could take us for a walk. Adam. No, no, it's good to be back. And uh, we're not really supposed to be doing too much outside anyway. Although it is nice having the weather turn just a little bit. So at least like enjoy our own property a little okay, bit. Yeah, I was going to say, you can go outside and play catch with your kids. You can walk. You just don't need to be walking in groups of 10. Does that make sense? Uh, Yeah, uh, that would be great advice right now to anybody who's out there doing that yes Um, yes take care of yourselves be safe uh but we are good uh to be back here and happy to uh break down a little bit more than we 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 did last week as we finally got out an episode here on the athletic uh breaking down the big press conference teleconference whatever you want to call it uh, last week ryan pace matt Nagy, our guy nick Foles. how's everyone doing this is nick Foles. just entered the meeting uh, who else I hope he walks into like the, the Bears meeting room like this. Hello, everybody. <laughs> this is Nick Foles. That's my seat, Mitch. I've entered the oh. meeting. I've, I've entered the meeting room. Here we here I am. Uh, no, and so uh, I guess we should go through the, the regular spiel. For those that may be new here, it's possible to have some newcomers on the podcast as we, we are in a new location on The Athletic. And uh, you should be subscribed at theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. You can still sign up there. Uh, you can also sign up for free trials right now uh, during this pandemic. A lot of good content uh, to consume, both Bears and otherwise. And we're going to uh, discuss some actually some non-Bears content a little bit later on in this podcast that is up there on The Athletic. That is where Adam Johns writes, at Adam Johns on Twitter. J-A-H-N-S. I am at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E. And you can read me at NBCSportsChicago.com. I have a new 10 Bears Things column up, Johnsy. And as I learned, some of our listeners are very happy because they can now read it in Europe. <laughs> You're international like us now, my friend. It's It feels good. Not, not a single thing. I Everything I'd written for like... The last two years or whatever, whatever that that whole European thing happened, uh, anything I would post, I would get. It's kind of like anything we posted the last month. You and I, there'd be like some type of comment about our podcast and it not being there. Uh, that's how it was for our. We have tons of listeners and readers in Europe, and we love you and we appreciate you. So that was nice today to get some comments that hey, look, I can read this. So hello, Brussels and. <laughs> England and Germany. We hope everybody's safe out there because uh, this thing has reached everywhere in the world, basically. But uh, here we are. You ready to get into it? I am. Um, Where do you want to start? So we wanted to essentially move. I mean, I'm sure the Nick Foles, Mitch Trubisky thing will continue to come up here in our conversation. But we kind of want to move past that. Talk about some other things that have happened 
other moves that have been made. So today we're going to focus primarily on the offense. We come back Thursday. We'll talk about more what's happened on the defensive side of the football. So where do you want to start right now? I would like to start, if we can, John Z, on the offensive line. Oh, because it all starts up front, my friend. Yeah. And let me just throw a question out to you. Do you think they've done enough in free agency for you to feel good about this? No. No. I, I Pretty much a hard no. I think it's an easy answer, no. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't think there's there's any question. No. Mike is they, right. Mike is right. The, the only thing they've done is sign Jermaine Effetti. And he, let, let me be clear, I actually like that signing. I think for the value you got him at, one year, minimum salary benefit deal, so it saves you a little bit of cap space. I mean, it's as cheap as you can go on this thing. He's still only 25. Um, he's somebody that I think could project well kicking inside and gets a new offensive line coach and Juan Castillo that Ryan Pace says, you know, can't wait to work with him and thinks he can fix. So, you know, there's there's plenty of examples of guys kicking inside perhaps fixing the penalty issue, which has been big for this guy. And all of a sudden, hey, maybe it works out. Former first-round pick. All that being said, that's still a gamble. I mean, not a day went by, Johnsy. Not a podcast went by last season that we didn't talk about the offensive line and how it drastically needed to improve. So to sit here on April 7th, and this is the one move that's been made this offseason. I realize the draft's still coming up. There's some guys available in the second round that I think can be, you know, plug and play starters. But as we sit here on April 7th, it's a hard no. I think the best way to look at this is that one, number one, they were limited in what they could do because of the contracts they already have on their books. Because you could not get rid of Charles Leno. You could not get rid of Bobby Massey. You could not kind of get rid of Cody White here. I don't know why you'd want to, but you're locked into those guys. You may feel like you want to, but contractually, business-wise, it makes little to, to no sense to move on from those guys right now. Now, next year, you can. So that's a problem going into free agency. Number two, I think the market kind of priced the Bears out of a lot of guys. I mean, Graham Glasgow got paid. Paid a lot of money. Joe Thune setting the market. I mean, these guys are getting paid. The guard market um, was slim, so it favored the free agents. It favored the agents. It did not favor the teams. And three, I think the Bears place priority on other positions. I think this is the point we could debate. Quarterback and pass rusher obviously took more of a priority for the Bears in their pursuits. I mean, because the Bears could have could have afforded a guy like Graham Glasgow, but instead they invested their money in replacing Leonard Floyd with Robert Quinn. So I think that's the, the debatable point, is how the Bears invested their money that they had available to them in free agency. And, and I'll be honest, I don't know if I would put the available guards over some of those guys. I, I really don't. You needed to fix quarterback. You needed to have a better backup option. You needed a better pass rush if you're going to be this defensive-driven team. So I don't know if spending a lot of money on a Graham Glasgow would have been wise. Yeah, and I think that uh, it very frequently needs to be pointed out, and I, I did so in my 10 Bears Things column today, that uh, you know, anytime what the Bears... The Bears have received a lot of criticism for their offseason, uh, both locally and nationally. And I think a lot of times those criticisms leave out um, the obvious context that they just couldn't address every position and they had to pick and choose. So, and we'll get into this a little bit more on Thursday when we talk about the defense. But just for example, like I understand why, as we sit here, the two open spots on defense are strong safety and cornerback. It's not great. But you knew you were going to have to have some open spots. And I think the thinking is you can cover some of that up by improving your pass rush, which they phys- you know, theoretically did. So on offense, you know, same thing goes. Right now, there's, there's not really a replacement for Taylor Gabriel. Is that the most important thing, though? Not really. And so you can get by. I guess what I'm getting at here with the offensive line, though, 
Um, it's incredibly important, the offensive line. And they're putting all the eggs in Juan Castillo's basket, I feel like. Isn't that kind of, oh, isn't yeah. that kind of oh, what yeah. you're, you're yeah. feeling here, yeah. John Z? I mean, they really feel like this position coach switch and, you know, the bringing in Bill Lazor here, that it's in some ways it's refreshing because I have kind of wondered how much of this is actually the scheme and the coaching uh, with some of the underachievement up front and specifically in the running game. But so I don't want to be hypocritical here because I think it's good that that's kind of, you know, they're certainly addressing that part of it, but they're pretty much saying, hey, this is our approach to fixing the running game. This is our approach to fixing the offensive line. It's kind of all up to the coaches. There's certainly more experience coming back into the building, at least with the, the scheme that Matt Nagy wants to run in Juan Castillo. I, I remember when everybody was praising the the hiring of Harry Heastan a couple of years ago, and, and I was one of them. This guy has developed a lot of stand I don't want to see all pro players at the NFL level at Notre Dame. Everybody remembers how good he was when he was the Bears' offensive line coach. But there were still some type of lingering. Remember those lingering questions, Adam, about whether or not he was a scheme fit, whether or not Matt Nagy can help make him adapt, whether or not there could be some butting of heads down the line. I'm not saying that that happened, but the the backgrounds are different. And I'm not saying Harry Heastan can't teach that stuff. I'm not an offensive line expert, but I'm sure there was some disagreements that took place, and especially when you bring in Mark Helfrich, who's supposed to be this RPO specialist from his days from Oregon. I'm sure there are all sorts of, what's the philomene word? I mean, the, the word is symmetry. I don't think the Bears had any of that, really. I, I imagine Matt Nagy grew frustrated not only with the players, but with what these coaches were designing for these players. So enter Juan Castillo, who comes with the big backing of Andy Reid. Yeah, they're going all in on Juan Castillo because they can't overhaul, overhaul the personnel all in one year. But we'll see what happens. I, I think that offensive line needs not only a scheme adjustment, but coaching adjustments and a person, like a personality change, right? Like they just seemed, you know, you talk to people across the league and you wonder, like they did not assert themselves enough. I think that's very say to say, very fair to say. Um, I, I'm probably putting that very mildly, but the, the Bears' offensive line seemed to lack nasty if you talk to folks around the league. Yeah, I mean, go. let's go back to, remember what, what Kyle Long said earlier this offseason that his brother told him uh, about that 2018 team and how he didn't think that even if the Bears had won that game, Chris Long didn't feel like they would have gone on to, to win the Super Bowl because they weren't physical enough up front. Like, I, I thought that was pretty damning. And and I and I think that's clearly a style, a stylistic type thing because yeah, yeah, yeah. but but it, but it might be personality too, man. Like I get that style and coaching play, you know, a role in this, and I know that you know players tend to take on the personalities of their coaches. And Juan Castillo seems to have some of that bravado to him, but yeah, like that's a question. If if it's not like scheme at this point, and I think we'll learn that from Juan Castillo, then it's definitely personality on that line. And that's personnel. That's a personnel question mark then. Yeah, well, and then that's a huge question mark right now because the personnel is not really changing, you know? Um, like Kyle, Kyle brought that edge. Like yeah. that Owen Krutz-like edge. And I don't mean to go... I don't think this meat. I don't think this is meatball talk. I just think this is football talk. Sometimes you need that type of nastiness, that type of tone setter, on your offensive line. And and the Bears lost that when Kyle Long went through all his injuries. And do they have it up there? Maybe Cody Whitehair has a bit of it. You know, we've heard some of that. He's got he's got a mean streak in him, but it's got to come out more across the board. It's got to come out more. I agree. I agree. I think the one th- the one uh, good thing is that uh, Jermaine Effetti uh, is a better run blocker than pass blocker, um, but we're still kind of talking about middle of the pack. I mean, which you know, you go back to the contract. He didn't get a ton of money, and so there's obviously reasons for that. And I think that's why you got to be careful with this one. Um, you know, he's there to compete. This is not his job. And Rashad Coward's still there. Alex Bars, you know, I'm not, I've always been hesitant to kind of buy into the Alex Bars hype because we haven't 
seen enough of him. I haven't seen enough of him with my own eyes. To really well, well, one of the reasons I was here, Adam, is because Harry Heastan. Yeah. Harry Heastan's not here anymore. Right. So, you know, I, I thought he did a good job of stepping in and uh, the, one of the tackle spots in that preseason game. But that's, you know, that's pretty much my only memory of of, of him last year. And obviously they, they kept on. They kept him on the team. Uh, he got a pro- promotion onto the 53-man roster late in the year. But uh, remember the finale. He didn't play. Well, that's because all, all yeah, isn't that because yeah, like and he should have played, right? Ted I, Larson. I Ted Larson started week seventeen over Alex Bars. Didn't get it. Didn't get it whatsoever. And wasn't one of the reasons why he was on the active roster was because the Patriots kind of tried to sign him off the practice squad. Is that right? Do I, I remember think that correctly? Right. Yeah, I think that's right. So I mean, that's a good endorsement when the Patriots come after you, but. I know that Harry Heastan liked them a lot, and that's one of the reasons why he remained on the roster. Obviously, they have their connections going back to Notre Dame, but I'll be honest, Adam. I think the new guy, Jermaine Effetti, it might might be the in-house leader for right guard. Yeah, well, got the most experience, and I guess that's what I'm getting at here. Is I, 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 you know, I like the fact there's competition. Maybe one of these guys will emerge. Like I said, maybe Jermaine Effetti kicking inside. He, goes to a different level in his career. But, I mean, what is that level we're talking about? I'm just, I, I'm very skeptical that they've done enough right now to significantly improve that running game. And that that worries me. Because I think you can get into some arguments that, okay, Jimmy Graham and, and Trey Burton will, if they're healthy, can help fix your tight end situation. And then, okay, Nick Foles is back there, potentially a quarterback. You're better there. But what does this all mean though? If there's still no running game? Yeah. 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 What does it mean when David Montgomery can't get going for the second year in a row? You know, a guy you traded up for in the third round, a lot of question marks there. I think I would feel better if they did draft the guy in the second round. I don't know who that's going to be. You know, you hear that the Bears could be overdrafting a guard at that point because it's pretty thin. It's pretty top-heavy. There could be a good tackle that slips there, but obviously he's going to sit on the bench for a bit because you have Leno and Massey. And I'm okay with that. I really am because you can move on from them after a year. But just just from an optics standpoint, knowing how bad that offensive line played last year and knowing how much pressure they're putting on Wonka Steele, just from an optics point, I, I just think it would look better if the Bears drafted a guy in the second round and gave him something to work with, something to build upon for the future. Someone that wasn't a guy who's been here for three or four years. And it, it almost feels like they, they have to now, doesn't it? I, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. And, and that's the last thing the Bears want to do, right? Because like, then it becomes a need and you start pushing guys up the board. Like You don't have to yeah. when you don't want to. Well, look at last year. I mean... Pretty much everyone thought they were drafting a running back with that first pick in the third round, and they did. Are you telling me? Are you telling me the Mike Davis signing did not convince you that the Bears were going to move on from? <laughs> no, look past running backs in the third but round. Mike Davis did. Yeah, did turn into Nick Foles. He did turn into Nick Foles. He did. Oh yeah, he played a role in that comp pick formula. They don't cut him in, in, in late in the year. You cut. Nick Foles is not here. But technically, Adrian Amos created that pick, but if you didn't cut Mike Davis when you did in the middle of the year, you don't get the comp pick that you send to Jacksonville for Nick Foles. One would argue if you don't sign Mike Davis, then you don't have the opportunity to cut him. <laughs> well, you know. Is that bad? That's me. <laughs> However it works out. Nick Foles is on the team now, and that is... Uh, I... St- Look, I, I get into the comp picks. I think it's a great way to do business if you're a team because when you sign your own players, it's best to um, replenish through the draft, and you you could do better with that if you have more picks. But the formula for that, Adam, I cannot figure out for the life of me. And I was bad at all sort of, sorts of things, math, growing up, so I can't figure out that comp formula for my life depended on it. I, I don't even think I've ever tried there's like no point. That's just it's just one thing that it's not worth the time. Uh, there's some good. Right, I'm gonna trust our friends at Over the yeah. Cap and just just go. Yeah, with there's it. good people over there that do that do work. I mean, you hear stories about how teams can't figure it out. So, so <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I feel like 
Someone's got to steal the Ravens book on that because they have it down. I mean, can, like beyond expertise. Imagine there. John Fox trying to figure out the uh, the comp formula. <laughs> I was a math major. I wasn't actually, but you know, so you know, it's like you know, challenging a, a touchdown, you know, against Green Bay or something oh, like that. Right? Man, that was just low. Siesta. Uh, okay. the The one thing I wanted to get to with Jimmy Graham, we touched on him a little bit last week, but. I I don't know if I'm sold on Jimmy Graham being a fit in the Bears offense, but I'm sold that Matt Nagy is sold that he's a fit in this offense. Does that make sense? Because yeah, oh, that yeah. was yeah. one of the biggest questions that I had going into that conference call with Pace and Nagy last week. We knew the connection with Ryan Pace going back to when Jimmy Graham was picked up by the Saints. Okay. But we didn't know where Nagy was on this idea of Jimmy Graham coming into his offense. And to me, that's way more important than whatever connection the GM has you know, with a guy that's clearly on the backside of his career. But when you heard yeah. Nagy talk about Jimmy Graham, it wasn't just coach speak. I, I, I went back and listened to it multiple times. I ended up putting it in my 10 Bears Things column because I really, I, I really it sounded to me like Nagy truly believes that Jimmy Graham can be a weapon in his offense. Every now and then, Nagy will challenge us or listeners or, or readers, however you want to say it. Like when, when he says, go watch the film of Graham, and it's not so much what he's doing in terms of catching the ball. It's the plays where he's not getting the ball where he's open or doing something that Nagy sees could work for him in relation to his own offense. Like, he'll challenge you with that. And I haven't done it yet. I've been too busy teaching science and social studies, all sorts of things in the morning <laughs> here at the Johns household. But I do plan on it, you know, at some nights, you know, over a nice glass of, you know, red at night, you know, going through the film a little bit and looking to see what he was looking at. And, yes, we have to take his word for it, but he doesn't sign off on this. If he doesn't think this, if he doesn't believe it, he doesn't sign off on a $9 million contract over two years. If he doesn't think that Jimmy Graham can give him something over those two years. So I know some people don't want to trust Nagy right now. I, I get that there is a frustration with signing a 33 year old tight end to such a contract, but I'm, I've, I've always been open-minded to it because right now I think he's the best tight end on the roster. You had to upgrade at that position. And obviously they have the history there. Obviously they see something there. I don't mean to, to be supporting a move that deserves some criticism, but I don't think it's as bad as some people make it out to be. No, and the contract isn't even as bad as some people made it out to be. But, you know, it is – I certainly do understand why people are questioning it. What I think is interesting is, though, when you really could look at Jimmy Graham, okay, his numbers, his production isn't what it used to be. But it's still a heck of, a heck of a lot better than what the Bears got last year from their tight ends. And to Nagy's point, <laughs> though, that if you go, I watched a lot of Packer football last year. Jimmy Graham was still somebody that you had to pay attention to defensively, because if you didn't, he could still make a big play on you. Okay, and there, there's plenty of examples to back that up. He had a pretty decent playoff game, so. You know, he's still 6'6", and that's something Nagy brought up. He's a big body target. And in this offense, you hear Nagy talk about the adjusters. And that's a big part of why I think he likes Jimmy Graham coming in here into his offense. I don't necessarily believe Jimmy Graham's all of a sudden going to explode and go off with, you know, the best production he's had in years in 2020. But if he is somebody that the opposing defense needs to pay attention to, then that not only is going to help open up other guys, but this idea that that spot, that U tight end, is supposed to help the quarterback identify both pre- and post-snap and anticipate who is going to be open, who should be open on a particular play. That's the adjuster role that Nagy talks about. Well, I don't know how Mitch is necessarily done with that, but I have a feeling Nick Foles is going to do really well with that. So... 
Yeah. That's where I can see Jimmy Graham making a difference, and I think that's what Nagy's talking about. It may not necessarily be 10 touchdowns, 750 receiving yards, however you want to put it, but it could just be his presence on the field greatly helping the offense as a whole. Yes, more often than not, the tight end, the U tight end, the move tight end in Nagy's offense is the first or second read in the progressions for the quarterback. And with all due respect to the Jesper Horsteads, and I think Jesper Horstead could be pretty good. To Horstead, to J.P. Holtz. Just don't ask him to, to pitch the ball. Boroniker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's mean, man. He's a rookie. Take it easy, bully. Yeah, anyway. Did pitch the ball. Yeah, I know. That was the, that was the play. At one point, pitch right? the ball. Yes. Anyway, my friend, <laughs> <laughs> they don't demand the same attention. And Jimmy Graham... At 33, demands more attention. Simple fact. Best tight end the roster. You know, maybe Trey Burton can help and return to, to being the the key number two or key number three that um, he was in Philly. They have an exit point in his contract after this year, but the Bears just needed something at that position. They just did. I, I get the money stinks. I get it. Whatever. Make that argument if you want. But they needed somebody. They really, really, really needed somebody. Jimmy Graham is here. I'm willing to give it an open a shot. I'm, I'm very open-minded to it. Uh, they just needed somebody that was better than who they already have on their roster. And, and I think there's an argument to be made that, you know, Trey Burton, you look at his career, he's been better when he's not the the only tight end they, they rely on. Yeah. And, and yeah. so just look at some of the just look at some of the advanced stuff. The the Eagles and the Chiefs, the two teams the Bears are most compared to because of Nagy's influences, right? They they ran so many different tight end sets, especially two tight end sets, so much last year, and the Bears were vastly behind them. So they're running different things, so things that Nagy can't run because of his personnel. Now maybe Nagy can with who he has on his team. All right, let's move on to the uh, the wide receivers here, Johns. Um, they haven't really added anybody. Uh, they're the losing Taylor Gabriel. I don't think they've. I don't think they have added no, they anybody. Haven't. Not really, right? There's nobody. I mean, I, I'm. I'm Jimmy Graham counts in a sense, but yeah, I'm looking at a depth chart right now that has Cordell Patterson as your number three wide receiver. Don't necessarily believe that's actually the case, but just the fact that that's up there, it's um, you know. Slightly concerning. I, I, I think that the key here is, obviously, number one, Allen Robinson needs to stay healthy. Um, he may or may not. Needs a new deal. Yeah, he may or may he not have a new, deal signed, yeah. new contract before the season starts. But uh, he needs to stay healthy. Speaking of health, Anthony Miller definitely needs to stay healthy. And, you know, we just cannot be hearing anymore about him not being in the right place or, you know, timing being off or, or details from Mike Furry or whatever. Like it's time for Anthony Miller to break out in year three. Is that fair? Yes. 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 Although this may sound surprising coming from me. I feel like there hasn't been a, a receiver on the Bears roster who has been more impacted by Mr. Biskey's struggles than him. Does that That's make sense? Fair. Like it, like I'll criticize him for having this 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 catch radius that isn't exactly I don't know Jimmy Graham's someone with long arms. Like he's he's not the biggest receiver, but the guy's been open. And I I know I've criticized the receivers for not making the the catches that help out the quarterback. But sometimes, and I've come around to this opinion, you know, watching the film a little bit more and talking to people, you know, sometimes quarterback just needs to put the ball in a better spot. It's just the, the, the bottom line. It, it really is. Give his, give his receivers a better chance of making that play. And no one's been more impacted by Trubisky's ups and, ups and downs than him. And, and again, maybe he's partly to blame for some of those ups and downs, but... Maybe Nick Foles is the answer. Maybe he is what what helps Anthony Miller really break out with all the timing routes and whatnot. But I'm, I've, I've actually turned to Anthony Miller's side more. Does that make sense? What? what? Yeah. 
Crazy, I know, yeah. Mitch. I know. I, I, I know. know. Sorry, Mitch. He's uh, he's 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 turning on you. No, I think that's completely fair. I, I think that's actually well put. That you know, it's it's impacted Anthony Miller a lot. Um, but he needs to stay healthy. Yeah, and um, there's certainly things that 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 he can do. Um, to to be more consistent, and hey, maybe he'll maybe he'll get that chemistry with Nick Foles. Uh, we'll have to see. Meanwhile, though, um, either Riley Ridley or Javon Wims, it looks like is going to have to play a bigger role this season, right? Unless unless they draft somebody that we're not expecting, or and, and maybe that maybe that does happen here. Um, but you know, and and I probably side towards maybe Riley Ridley. You know, I I liked him coming out. Um, you know, like Javon Wims a year ago in, in uh, Week 17 in Minnesota, kind of had a breakout game, right? And and set up that that Eddie Pinheiro game-winning field goal on that was it fourth and nine, I think. Riley Ridley got open and made that catch from Mitch Trubisky, which was a, a clutch throw, throw from Mitch. Um, but I don't know; it doesn't necessarily make you feel feel great about the depth right now at that position. It's a need for the draft. Not the not as bad as guard or offensive line, but I, these guys are all like possession guys. Good route runners. Like Anthony Miller's feet have always been praised. Allen Robinson is an outstanding route runner. Riley Ridley was praised for that coming out. Javon Wims has taken some time, but he's learned how to use that big body more. They don't have that speed element. Taylor Gabriel's gone. And they need a bigger speed element. That's my one knock on Taylor Gabriel. It's probably an unfair one. It really is because he made big plays for a little guy. He really did. But I think size still matters in certain situations. And the Bears lack big, fast guys. Let's be honest. I know you think you know, Anthony Miller has some of it, and maybe he does. But I think just overall the team speed of the offense is something that Matt Nagy in particular is going to want to try to upgrade significantly through the draft this year. Yeah, I think so. And by the way, um, I don't know if you've looked at the running back situation. I we, We've heard Ryan Pace casually drop Ryan Knoll's name and quite frankly, some odd situations over the last couple of years. Uh, they've always kind of thrown him in there. It's like, yeah, we like Ryan Knoll too. I hope they like Ryan Nall yeah. because your three running backs right now are David Montgomery, Tariq Cohen, and Ryan Nall. And at this point, you know what Tariq Cohen is. And he's not a guy that if David Montgomery goes down is going to shoulder you know, the load with 20 carries a game. It's just not the case. So unless there's an addition made there, it looks like Ryan Nall is that third running back. Yeah, here's a little tidbit I picked up not too long ago that the Bears are, are exploring different ways of reinserting the fullback back into their offense in a sense, whether or not that's Ryan Nall becoming that full-time or at least part-time or J.P. Holtz having that part-time. Holtz was great last maybe year. even Trey Burn. Yeah. As yeah, a fullback, yeah, yeah. J.P. Holtz was very impactful last year. They yes, just didn't use yes, him enough. Yes, maybe. Yeah, maybe even putting Trey Burton back there in certain situations. I'm not saying he needs to blow up, you know, a middle linebacker in a hole. I don't think that's what Trey Burton wants to do at this point in his career. But it gives you a little versatility scheme wise to to find certain matchups back there. You know, Nagy likes versatile guys who could do, do different things. You know, Patterson obviously, but you know, we'll see what the mix is. We know Patterson's in that running back mix as well, just as. And just a unique threat for his size and speed, you know. I mentioned overall team speed. We, we, I, I, it'd be a sin not to mention him. He's probably the fastest guy on the, on the roster right now. But yeah, you know, we'll see what this offense. I think this offense might be a bit different next year. I don't know if Matt Nagy scales things back or he expands things with, with Nick Foles. I think everything's on the board right now as he tries to figure it out with his new staff. You know, there's one interesting nugget that was kind of buried in, uh, and I actually didn't even really hear it. Uh, when the conference calls were happening and found it later um, going through it. But when Nagy was asked about the coronavirus and the potential of not really having access to his players and much of an off-season program, um, he said that 
one of the things they will probably have to do is scale back the volume of the offense. And he said he viewed that as a positive. positive. And at least in the case of Mitch Trubisky, I mean, I've been arguing for that for a while. Like, there's just too much volume. There's too much on his plate. They got to scale it back. We talked about that a lot during the season last year. And, you know, I don't know, Nick Foles seems like maybe he can handle more of it. But, you know, he's also going to be back in this specific version of this offense for the first time. So, you know, coronavirus or not, I thought that that was an interesting and positive nugget that Matt Nagy threw out there. I feel like this offense has been searching for a certain type of identity for two years now. And maybe they can find it by scaling things back and focusing on what they think they're really good at. Maybe the results will help them find that identity. They didn't have one last year. No. And I feel like the offensive line helps you create that. And I know this is type of kind of like a cliche thing to be talking about, but it's true. There, there's purpose that's missing from the offense. That goes with an identity. Maybe scaling back things with the Nick Foles or, or especially Mitch Trubisky can help them find that. And that applies to everybody. Maybe things were just too advanced for up front as well. Maybe things need to be simplified for the big boys too. What else? Go ahead. I'm listening. All right. So uh, anything else you have here on the offense before we move on to a couple uh, more fun things? No, no. I Just in terms of the draft, if I had to, to rank positions, I still think they go offensive line. I still think they should draft a tight end, even though they have 10 of them on the roster. And they need to draft a wide receiver. And then maybe a quarterback. But that's a completely different podcast, Adam. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of needs, and there's only two picks in the first four rounds. That's that's the other thing yeah. you gotta I like the trade back up. Yeah, they gotta they have to add some more some more draft picks. I mean they All although, you know, if, if you're following some reports, you know, with people quoting scouts anonymously lately, is this whole digital draft that's about to happen, you know, it's kind of like a fantasy draft that we're, what everybody's going to have going on, but in, in real life could change how, you know, GMs think and, and could change how, you know, players are moved up and down boards and how trades are made. It's going to be an interesting year. Well, that is a fascinating part of it. I mean, you can set up a Zoom meeting uh, with all the people you need to be on there, but... um you know, you still have to be able to get on the phone with other teams. And it's not always the GM that's the one making those phone calls, you know. So the the logistics of the whole thing is going to be really fascinating. The communication, uh, it's a lot easier to be in one big draft room, pulling all this off with your draft board on one wall and, you know, your tape right in front of you. Um, it, this is going to... Seriously, think about this. Adam, I don't mean to interrupt you there, but like Ryan Pace loves it when his scouts really stand on top of a table and state their cases for guys, right? Pound their fists on the table. He uses anecdotes like that all the time. He wants that type of passion. What if his scout who is in, let's say, I don't know, Florida at this time of year, because that's where he lives, because he, he scouts the Southeast, is making his case for a guy at number 50, and he's very adamant about it. And then the internet goes out. What happens then? Yeah. I, I'm serious. Like, that, those are logistics you have to think about. They have to have backups. Like, what if they're arguing about guys back and forth and their picks coming up and then the internet goes out? Or they're like a power outage or something. These are real problems that these teams' digital staffs, their, their, their video staffs, all these people that help football operations have to think about. Uh, it it's 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 like a Hogan Judge podcast l- last week when, when a certain podcast member has to leave his, his office. Yeah, because he kept cutting out. You know. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, we're not naming names, but yes, what a trick. In the meantime, the Chiefs traded up and took Patrick Mahomes. You missed it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what I mean. Um, yeah, but no, for real. What if what if uh, you know severe weather happens to be going through the South, like in Dallas? Or New Orleans or something. Uh, it's that time of year. Yes. And all of a sudden, power's getting knocked out. And, uh, you know, Sean Payton can't get on there. Mike McCarthy can't get on. By the way, the Cowboys, did you see this? The Cowboys have been posting 
they posted one of their uh, conference calls with uh, with uh, Wisconsin outside linebacker Zach Bond. Really? Yeah, like they're, <laughs> well. they're, you know, one of the 30 visits that's now happening on online or whatever. I don't know what they count as right now, but they actually they actually posted part of the video, which is awesome. Wow. Wow. Yeah. See, I, I love that. It, it's kind of stunning in a sense because of how secretive these these teams are, but you see it across the league, Adam. You know, like the Eagles did it a couple of years ago where they gave you five minutes of, of John Filippo, you know, talking to Carson once at the Combine. Fans love that stuff. And if you're confident in your evaluations and, and the whole process, I, I don't think you're losing out on anything there whatsoever. No, I, th- I thought that was really cool. Um, but anyway, the draft's going to be fascinating this year, and uh, we'll talk more about that as we get closer. Now, a non-football note real quick. On The Athletic, you guys have been all writing individual pieces on your favorite athletes, and they could be any sport. Yes. So Kevin Fishbane, you know, I guess got jealous of me writing about the White Sox so much and wrote a whole thing about Mark Burley. I get it. You know, right now you want to write about baseball. It's cool. I'm just kidding right now. Um, you, though, are a major cop-out, and, and you couldn't pick between two athletes, so you wrote about both of them. It's ridiculous. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. My, my heart was torn, and as I'm going back and forth with my editor, my great editor, Lauren Commodore, I'm like, well, I'm going to write both of them. If no one's going to call Dibs and Scotty Pippen or Ryan Sandberg, I'm writing both. And she thought it was a cool idea. So I wrote about how my heart is torn, in a sense. Being a 90s kid from Chicago, loving those great Bulls teams, the best basketball teams of all time, with the best basketball player of all time, even though I was a Pippen guy. In the days of Rhino, man, I, I, I just couldn't do it. Who is your favorite athlete of all time? Uh, I, I mean, it's boring, but it's got to be. It's got to be Michael Jordan. I think that's a cop out. It, yeah, I mean, well, if I absolutely had to pick, so here's what would happen: I would be in a similar situation as you, Michael Jordan and Paul Canerco, is what would happen. Okay, and I would eventually sit down and pick Paul Canerco and write about number fourteen. That's what I would do. You know, I don't think I've seen in all the ones that have run the on the athletic right now. I don't think I've seen a Michael Jordan. I've seen a Walter Payton. I've seen a Mark Grace. Oh God, don't get me going on Mark Grace. I had a buddy <laughs> who knew I loved Ryan Sandberg, and I put this in my story. But he would talk about how Mark Grace this, Mark Grace that. He's better than Ryan Sandberg, and it would get me so angry as a kid. I still remember like the emotions. I would ramble off all Ryan Sandberg's gold gloves and all-star games, and Grace was nothing even close to that. But See, that still gets that, me all that, riled that's up. That's your answer right there. It's Rhino. Did the same thing happen with Scotty Pippen? Scotty was my guy. Oh, God. You know how many nights I spent in my living room playing basketball, watching them? And I would be Scotty. I would love his pull-up threes. <laughs> love him. Scotty is the man. And that's a good. It's the nostalgia, man. That's a good segue because I think we're gonna we're gonna do this, and as long as we're kind of held up in our houses, uh, what are we watching? We kind of do this anyway. You know, we we go on tangents about the Mighty Ducks and uh, you know how Gordon Bombay is a fraud, um, and we talk about the Marvel movies <laughs> all the time. I actually have not. You're gonna be really disappointed in me. I have not watched a Marvel movie since the last time we did a podcast. Oh, that's extremely disappointing. I know. I also haven't really watched any movies. You know what? The only movie I watched. What are you watching? Old football games. I'm not really watching anything. I've been so busy, dude. I, 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 I we're gonna do this segment because I know a lot of our listeners are looking for things to watch. But <laughs> frankly. For a what are we watching segment, I don't have a whole lot of answers. I'm not watching a ton. <laughs> but <laughs> you're the one who wrote it down. I know. I know. Well, I still have thoughts. I still have ideas. Okay, real quick. The one movie I think no, I've watched two movies recently. One was good and one was a huge disappointment. Uh Ford versus Ferrari. Really enjoyed it. 
Okay. Good movie, good writing, good acting. Uh, Christian Bale, Matt Damon, and certainly if you like cars. Um, and I'm not necessarily a car guy, but it's good. It's good. I highly recommend that. Um, the one movie I think I've been more excited to watch than any other this entire year is Uncut Gems. Because I'm a huge Adam Sandler fan. I thought the trailer looked so good. And I was just could not wait to see Adam Sandler in a, a more serious movie. Movie was garbage. <laughs> With Kevin Garnett, Kevin Garnett, I, I it just it, it wasn't that good. I, I I don't even want to ruin it in case people do want to watch it. So I don't want to give any spoilers. But just like I don't know, it it wasn't an interesting enough plot line to go as long as it did. Uh, Sandler was fine. Like it, it's not like he did a bad job or anything. I just I wasn't a big fan of of uh, the plot, I guess. And I don't know. There's this weird music. If you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. The music, just the whole movie. It's like gets exhausting. Get out of here. So the movies that I've watched, well, new movies that I've watched in their entirety so far. Uh, the with, with my kids, we had a couple movie nights. We watched. Frozen 2, not as good as the first one, but not too bad. I liked it. Uh, Onward, if you're a father with sons like me, that's uh, an emotional one. Whew. Did you watch that one yet on, on Disney Plus, my you friend? You know what? I have Disney Plus. I love Disney Plus. I cannot get James to care about it. Okay. Like, he doesn't even want to watch Toy Story 4. Who? What kid doesn't want to watch Toy Story? I was going to mention that one, Forky. My three-year-old loves that, that character. Um yeah, you got to work on that. Just film all the Marvel movies. They're all on there. <laughs> all the Star Wars there, too. My oldest watches those yeah. um, when, when given a chance. Um, I, I'll say this. They're just good family movies. Um, I watched Jojo Rabbit, the satire about uh, Nazi Germany. Is that good? Have, have you seen that? Yeah, it's it's pretty funny. Actually, the, the Adolf Hitler character in it, this is going to sound really weird to say, is hilarious. <laughs> To just just watch it and just know it's satire. Um, it's it's a good movie. Um, I enjoyed it a bit. It's kind of deep too. You know you know what's um, coming. Kind of you know what's coming here right here. You know, you you know I have to play it. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I guess I am a communist. Yeah, I mean history will show that the communists helped beat Nazi Germany. So go ahead. That's fine, Adam. <laughs> you can play that there. Um, the the TV shows. That I've gotten into at night. My wife and Here I. Here we go. So see, I, look at this. I prepared for this segment, and you just threw no, it in I there. No, I do have two. I, just I, threw I it got, in there. Yeah, anyway. but I got two TV shows for sure. But go ahead. Okay. I'm going to mention two, and they're, they're old ones too. So my favorite author is Ken Follett, right? He, he writes those, you know, World Without End series, The Pillars of the Earth. Um, a lot of it, it's like British or, or aristocrats and stuff like that, and it comes over to America. Look, just great books. Check them out. But Downton Abbey is one show that's on Amazon Prime right now. And as a fan of these books and just, you know, the storytelling about, you know, the British aristocrats and whatnot, I I find the show fascinating just in terms of, you know, the people that work in service, live in service by by, by choice. Um, I think that's a fascinating series. And one show, I feel like I'm 10 years behind on this, and this is a lot different from Downton Abbey, a lot different. My wife does not watch this one is The Wire. And I feel like people have been raving about this show and telling me to watch it for a decade now, and I cannot stop watching it. I literally have to set myself like a timer at night that goes off around like 1130, telling myself to go to bed, or I'm going to watch another two episodes, and I'm up late, and then I have a bad morning, and then everybody has a bad morning. I'm not a morning person, Adam, so I got to get my sleep in, got to get my beauty sleep. Yeah, uh, I've always wanted to watch The Wire, and I never have. I can't stop. And I can't stop. I'm addicted. I, can't stop. I actually had that thought two days ago. I just don't have the time right now. I'd love to watch it. Um, but that if I were to start binging a series right now, it'd probably be that one. Um, the one that I absolutely do watch right now, um, but I've been watching it incredibly slowly. In fact, I've only gotten through the first episode of the season as much as I would love to just sit down and watch the whole thing in one day. But Ozark on Netflix is so good. I think I've talked yeah, about that before. People are raving about that now. Yeah, I think I've talked about that before because I've watched it from the start. I mean, it's in its third season, and I've always loved that show. Um, but the uh, the 
everyone's saying the third season's great. I've only seen the first episode, but it was great. And then the other one is Curb Your Enthusiasm, which certainly isn't a new show, but I finally just got through the the last season. And I have to say, the John Hamm episode, which I think is the third to last in this season, so episode eight, I want to say, top five Curb episodes ever. It's so good. <laughs> to the point, are you crying? Laughing? Uh, yes, at one point, and everyone kind of, if you've seen it, you, I'm not going to give it away, but there's like a certain climax to the episode for sure, like where everything builds to. Yeah, just dying. Just dying laughing. It's so good. Um, I don't want to give it away, but if you're a Curb fan, or even if you're not, start watching Curb. <laughs> just, I'm a Larry David guy. Like, There's a lot of things that I... <laughs> I relate to Larry David with. I don't know if that's good or bad, but <laughs> it's just the truth. So, I, I, I speaking of more buddy conversations, forget the Grace story. I have a buddy who like idolized George Costanza in high school. Well, and that's a lot of what Larry, like Larry David, David is. David, is yeah, yeah, that's a lot. Of, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Just, just, just living an awkward life of, of nuance yeah. and stuff to complain about. I have a buddy like that. So when he listens to this, I'm sure I'll get a text message. Like you, 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 the nicest of text messages too. I'm sure. Sitting there eating an appetizer at lunch, and you went over your appetizer allotment. You're supposed to split it three <laughs> ways. You ate too much. You went <laughs> over your appetizer allotment. It's, it's so good. It's so good. All right. Anything else? Should we get out of here? No, no, no. It's good to be back on a regular basis here, my friend. It is. It is good. It's good to hear that music. Uh, thanks to our producer Kent Garrison doing a great job jumping on the ship here and uh, guiding us home as we, we deal with a little bit of new technology, and uh, but it's all the same podcast in the end. And we, we appreciate all the comments from listeners uh, as we got our first episode out in a while last week. Uh, I appreciate everyone being so excited about it, and um, we'll keep them coming for you. We'll be back on Thursday. We'll take a look at the defense. Maybe talk a little. How about that? Talk a little bit more TV. A too. regular schedule, everybody. What a concept. Nothing else feels regular right now. No. Maybe this podcast no. can. You know, the, we'll try our best. The draft's only like two weeks away. It doesn't feel like it. Scary to think about. I'm still waiting for the owners' meetings to start. <laughs> like, I was supposed to be going to Arizona on Saturday. My yearly routines are just like, you skip something and everything's just gone out of whack. It's just weird. All righty. Uh, we'll talk to you. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. Read us on The Athletic, NBCSportsChicago.com. We'll talk to you later in the week. See ya. Uh, where, where's our friend Patrick Finley?